We're starting a brand new sermon series. I love saying that. We're starting a brand new sermon series and a brand new year called Break the Rules. How many of y'all have noticed, if you've gone to any store, uh, the product placement in the new year, right? Like if you go into a store around Christmas, the product placement at the front of the store is Christmas stuff, right? Halloween stuff and uh, at Halloween, places like that. But in the new year, has anybody else taken notice of the product placement? I went into Costco the other day. I love Costco, right? Free lunch for my entire family, all that stuff. And I walked in, and it was like the day after the New Year's or right, right around there. And I walked in, I looked to the right, and everything at Costco, like there's times that Costco has all sorts of random stuff, everything in there was either vitamins or, or healthy snacks, right? Like, like almonds and things like that, because they know everybody in this time of the year is going to go like, get on the scale, and they're going to go, oh, no, I didn't. Like, oh, I'm going to do it again next year, uh, but oh, no, I didn't do it again this year. You know, like that, that's what happens. If you go into, into Marshalls, I went into Marshalls with my wife, Home Goods and Marshalls, and everything on the front, in the front of the store is workout gear, right? Like workout gear is completely taken over, you know, our, our lives. Even in my kids' lives, they wanted tights for Christmas. I'm like, wait, wait what? <laughs> tights? And they wear them around all over the place. They wanted to wear them to school the other day. They're going to wear Tights. I said, you are not Terrell Owens and you are not a ballerina, so you're not wearing, you know, tights to school. Some of y'all just got that. Like, t- you, like, you are not wearing those to school. And so workout gear, product placement. And the message is, if I get in shape in 2017, I'll have a great year. If I eat healthier, if I exercise, you drive past Planet Fitness or wherever you work out, every spot in the parking lot is full every hour of the day for 24 hours a day for the next two days, Right? And the message is, if you get in shape, if you get healthy, everything that ailed you last year will, will be healed, right? If you, if you do this, and, and here's what I, what I found out, and I, and I think there's a, even a passage in the Bible that says this in, in 1 Timothy 4. It says this, it says, for physical training is of some value. Look, there's nothing wrong in 2017 with saying, this is going to be the year I get, I get ripped. I'm going to get ripped this year, like... I'm going to be one of those people before and after pictures. I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of those, those winning scores. Like, I'm going to do that. He says, hey, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I want to take care of my body this year. I want to get in shape. I want to lose some LBs. I, 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 I want to look like I did 10 years ago. We want to eat healthier. I want to eat almonds instead of, you know, uh, uh, honey roasted peanuts. I'm going I, I, to start drinking a protein shake instead of, a, you know, sh- coffee with a, or sugar with a little bit of coffee. I'm going to do that. But he says this. He says, Physical training is of some value, but watch this, but godliness has value for all things. Physical training is important, but but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So here's what I know. A lot of people spend too much time on the outside, and and, and they they go in there and they think, if I just fix the outside, then the inside will naturally be fixed. But But the message of Scripture is there's oftentimes things that are ailing your life on the inside that no matter where you're placed on the outside, it's still going to affect you. Like no matter what happens, like you can get in shape, but if you are still dealing with a heavy dose of shame and guilt in 2017, there's not a, there's not a ripped muscle in your body that can heal that. If you're dealing, we're going to talk a little bit about bitterness today. If you're struggling with bitterness, man, you can be surrounded by all new friends this, this year and get away from all of your old friends and, and all of your old family. And God, But if you're still struggling with bitterness, it's still going to affect you. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with insecurity, right? And, and some of you, you're saying, if I, could, if I just get the job that, that I've been wanting or the promotion or the relationship, then everything that, that people said about me before won't be right. But if, if you don't have it healed in here, 
doesn't matter what happens on the outside. And so what I found is we expect things to change because we change on the outside. And oftentimes God's going, you know, really truthfully, it's about what's rolling you on the inside. So for the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to take a look at things that rule our spirit. And we're going to ask God to break, break what rules us in our lives. Because here's what I know. Whatever you're ruled by dictates the results of your life. And when you're ruled by the wrong things, eventually you'll be ruined. Let me read that to you again because it's going to guide us. Whatever you're ruled by dictates the results of your life. And when you're ruled by the wrong things, you'll be, you'll be ruined. Like if you're, if you're ruled by, by bitterness and you're ruled by resentment, and some of you, you're ruled by anger. Like you just, no matter what happens, you get angry, right? Like every day you get angry. And then you'll say stuff like this. If everybody else would stop making me angry. If everyone else would talk better, be better, act better, look at me nicer, I'd have a better 2017. Some of you are bitter and you're saying, you know, if everybody else would stop hurting my feelings. Some of you bitter at somebody that's dead. If I could redig them back up and I could have a conversation with them about how angry that I am and I could take their dead lifeless body and shake the head in, in apology, then I feel better. Like if these things would happen, and what, what God's saying is, man, no, there's things ruling you on the inside that has nothing to do with other people. It has everything to do with you. In fact, that's what it says in Scripture in Colossians 3. And I want you to listen to these words because they're powerful. And it's kind of the, 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 the overall theme of our, of, our, of our series, kind of where we got the idea. But Colossians 3 says this, put to death, therefore... Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, watch all these things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, because of them the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Listen to all these things. Watch this. He says, get rid of them. Do everything you can. Push them out. Anger, rage, malice, slander filthy language from your lips. Watch this. Do not lie. We're going to talk about lying. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with these practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is neither Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves instead, watch this, with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. And then it says this in verse number 13, as if to tell us, bear with each other. It doesn't say, in order to do this, you're going to have to put up with each other. Like that, that might be the most important, like, well, how do I get over somebody? You got to put up with them because they are annoying. You're right. But guess what? So are you. If I spend any amount of time with you, I'm sure you would chew wrong, look wrong, act wrong, snot stuff wrong, like, like bite your nails wrong. You know, you look, and the same thing is true for me. So what he says is, bear with one another and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity and then i love this verse let the peace of christ rule in your hearts some of you being ruled in your hearts by things like anger and lying and greed and bitterness so today we're going to take a look at bitterness and here's here's the problem with 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 bitterness is you can be bitter and not even know you're bitter. You can, you can be bitter with somebody and not even know. Like, I, I can talk about this, and, and the truth is, the majority of us, I was reading a book on bitterness, because I was like, oh, I, need to, I need to figure out what this is all about. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say, and then I found a couple Christian books. And as I was reading it, 
you know, what I was doing, and I was studying for you, right? I was like, I'm going to preach to you. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow. This kind of sounds like it's talking about my wife, right? <laughs> I, I told her, I'm like, this kind of, I think I might be struggling with bitterness. And she was like, you think? <laughs> like if you, here's some ways you know you're struggling with bitterness. If you consistently are, are replaying the tapes of your life. Like, you can, you can replay things. Like, instead of you being like, you, you know, remember that happened? No, I don't really remember when that happened because I forgave and I forgave like God forgave. And when he forgives, he erases the tapes, right? Can I get an amen? Like, that's, he erases the tapes of your life. He doesn't go back and rewind it and say, you remember what you did? He chooses to forget it. And I know that seems like an impossible characteristic in the human realm, but you don't live with the power of the human realm. You live with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you live with the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives you the ability to live and forgive the way that God forgives you. And what, what he says is he enables us to erase the tapes. But so many of us, we play them over and over and over again, right? You, you rehearse it. You go over it. Rewind. I need, to, I need to think about this again. I need to dissect this again. I need to talk about what they said about me. I need to read books on how I need to hold them accountable and make them do certain things. And all of a sudden, because you keep rehearsing the tapes, it doesn't enable you to live in the future because you're constantly living it in the past. You, you might be bitter. Like, like you, you, might, you, might, you might be bitter. Another thing is, is your mouth out of control? I was reading it and... Sometimes, sometimes I lose my temper. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you can, you can believe that. Like, there's times in my house where I lose my temper with my kids, and I'll be like, they're just making me so, so angry, right? Like, you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, what is wrong with you? Same thing my dad said, and I can lose my, my temper, and my wife will come, and she'll try to coach me out of this, and I'll be like, you don't know what they did. And, and she, she'll be like, I know, but you need to react differently to them. And I'm like, I can't. Because I'm bitter. Like, bitterness causes you to, your mouth to be out of control. It, it, it causes you to, to fly, fly off the handle, to, to be angry in all circumstances, to always assume that everybody else is making you angry, not really knowing. Maybe inside of you it's because you're, you're, you're bitter. Or, or here's, here's a good one. If in 2016 you were always sick physically, you might be bitter. Did you know that? Not only is bitterness a spiritual problem, but it also causes physical problems. I, I didn't know that. Like, actually, people that are bitter, scientifically, they've done studies, it causes you to have a, a weaker immune system, and it drains your body from being able to fight off sickness and disease because you're using useful energy to fight off bitterness. So some of you are like, why am I always sick? I'm not saying it's guaranteed to be that, but maybe it's because you... You're holding on to things you shouldn't be holding on to. And, and, and I want to show you this in Scripture because it, it talks about this in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. We don't know the author of this book. Uh, many people assume it's the Apostle Paul, but whoever wrote this, this is, this is one of the best books in, in the Bible. But listen to what he writes in this doozy of a, of a passage on bitterness in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14 and 15. He says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make, make every in other words, what he's saying is do everything you can to rid yourself of bitterness, to live at peace with other people. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And then he says this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God in your life. That's, that's kind of crazy. See, what's the grace of God? It's unmerited favor and forgiveness in your life. That means you didn't earn it. You couldn't buy it. It was just given to you. I don't know if you ever go down south, you go to a restaurant, a diner, and you order breakfast, and they bring this white, fluffy stuff out. It's called grits. Yeah. 
You don't ask for grits. You just get it. You don't tell the waitress to take it back or she'll spit in your food. You just take it. Try to taste it. It's, it's gross. I don't know what it is. I don't know what grits is. I, I don't know what scrapple is. I don't know what some of those things are that we eat. But you just take it, and oftentimes you just let it on your plate, and when you're done, you move away. You don't earn God's grace, you just get it. And he says, make sure that no one in your life is falling short of the grace that you've been given. That's a scary place to be. You come in here, you sing about the grace of God, the grace of God, God, thank you for your forgiveness, and you walk out of this place. I'm not forgiving them. I think that person is falling short of the grace of God. And then it keeps going, and it says this. It says, and that no bitter root, you'll, you'll note, a root is very hard to see, right? Like, unless it's popping up out of the ground, you got real old trees, oftentimes roots are hard to see. But, the, but the, the health of the plant is in the roots. Did you know that? Like, a healthy plant has healthy roots. You're only as healthy as you are strong on, underneath. Maybe the same thing for us. You might get strong on the outside this year. Go lift weights, get in shape, you know, eat your, take your shakes, all that stuff, eat your Wheaties, pop your vitamins, all that stuff. But you can be falling apart on the inside because the bitter root has taken hold of your life. In Hebrew, which what's what they spoke back then, the word bitter actually means poison. That there's a poison going through your life, eating away at you. And here's the problem with it. Oftentimes, it's too late to even notice. It's already done its damage. Oftentimes, you can... You can walk in life and seem like you're healthy. You can be in a relationship. You can be surrounded by good people. But bitterness can be weaving its way in your life and poisoning you without you even knowing it. He says, make every effort and pay attention so that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and, and, here's a, and defile many. So let me give you three things which, which I believe why, why bitterness is, is poison to your soul. That, that it, will, it doesn't matter what you do this year. If you don't break the rules of bitterness in your life, you will not go anywhere. You, 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 will, you will constantly be thinking you're getting ahead, constantly back to your past. You will constantly be striving, yet, yet never getting anywhere. I, I want to show you why I think it poisons our, our souls. Here's three reasons. Number one is this. It is bitterness hurts me. Everybody say me. me. Bitterness, it hurts, it hurts you, not, not me. For me, I want you to get this. I'm going to go right over your head. It's cold. Bitterness hurts you and me. When, when we're bitter, the very first person we need to look at in the mirror and go, man, this is poison, is, is, our, is ourselves. I, I don't know if you've ever read this, but, but this is what I read, and I think it, it's so important. It says, bitterness is like drinking rat poison and hoping it kills the other person. Bitterness... It's like grabbing broken glass and squeezing it in our hands and going, did you feel that? Bitterness, let me keep going with this. This is good. Bitterness is like my son. I have three sons. They've all done weird, different things in their life. Like they just had different mannerisms, different habits. But my very first son, when he would get mad, he would bang his head on things, right? Like he, you ever have a son like that? I don't know what's wrong with him. So he would walk over and he would just bang his head on the wall. And then real quick, he would just look at you. Did you feel that? It got so bad, he realized, finally, this hurts. He used to go to the, he used to start with the, like, a, like a wall or something like that. But by like a year and a half, he got smart. He was going to the couch, like the padded couch. Be, and look up at you. And he would look at you. Did you feel that? Did it hurt you? And I used to think, no, dummy. That hurts you, bro. Like you are banging your head off of hard surface to try to hurt your mom and, 
mom and dad, like we are not hurting at all. In fact, I got my iPhone, you know, four out right now, or whatever was back then. I'm getting a video of this so I can show your wife how ridiculous you were when you were a kid. <laughs> and we laugh at all those situations, drinking poison, open up some squeezing glass, you know, banging your head. Bitterness is the same way. I'm going to be so bitter, you know, I'm going to get my bitter face on. I'm going to be so angry. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm not going to forgive people. I'm going to be so bitter, they feel bad about it. Meanwhile, they're just walking their way through life, enjoying life. Do you feel my bitterness? Do you see what I did to my head? Ugh! Do you feel that? And the whole time, God's going, Really? You think that's going to hurt them? You need to understand and embrace the fact that when you're bitter, that when bitterness is inside of you, when you won't forgive, when you won't let go, when you won't move past, when you won't let somebody have the grace of God, the same grace that you've been given, when you won't forgive as Jesus has forgiven you, when you hold on and when you allow somebody else to rule your life, you only hurt who? You. I'm serious when I talk, there's some of you, you are angry at somebody that's not even in your life anymore, but it's as if they are. They they might be passed away, they might be long gone, they may have said something to you when you were a kid, they may have let you down, it might be a co-worker that talked bad about you, and they are long gone out of your life, yet you still act like they're affecting you. And and bitterness, number one, it it hurts you, but but it, it doesn't stop there. It's not like bitterness fills up your life to a certain point. It's like, okay, I've completed my work. Bitterness comes to destroy everything about your life. Not only does it hurt you, but here's, here's where it should be, be so scary, because number two is this, is not only does bitterness hurt me, but bitterness begins to hurt those close to me. This is where it gets scary. Not only, not only does bitterness personally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically do damage to you, if you don't handle it, if you don't break the rules, if you don't allow God to rule in your life, give you peace, eventually it will begin to hurt those that are closest to you. Eventually you you will give them what maybe you don't want to give them. That's what it says. It says a bitter root grows up to cause trouble. And it doesn't just say defile you. It says defile many. I, I, I will say it like this. Bitterness is you making a mess or having somebody else make a mess in your life and then you leaving it for somebody else to clean up. That's what bitterness is. It's a mess that's been created in your life and then you go, you clean it up. Let me give you an example. We moved houses recently and the house we moved into, although it had great potential, every wall in the house was painted yellow. Now, before I talk about yellow, if this is your favorite color, you know, that's great for you. But I'm not a big fan of yellow. And, and uh, like there's, there's a, maybe there's like a good yellow. This, is, this was like the big bird yellow in my house. And so what happened is I started painting yellow, right, the yellow on the walls. And then when you painted the walls, guess what else was yellow? The ceiling. And then I painted the ceiling. Guess what else was yellow? The trim. My entire house, without me knowing it, was yellow. And it has been in a massive, some people are like, what have you been doing? I'm like, I've been painting. I'm bitter about it, actually. I've been painting and painting and, and, and painting. Painting what? Painting trim, painting walls, painting ceiling. Why? Everything's yellow. It's yellow. Cursing yellow. Yellow. It's awful. I wake up seeing yellow. And, and the truth is, I, I love the people. If you ever listened to me, if you've sold me some of your house and you're listening to everybody by chance, I love, I loved your house. 
It was beautiful. I don't know why you ever picked yellow. And it's not like all this stuff. So people are like, well, they old people. I'm like, no, they were younger than me. Well, why'd they pick yellow? I don't know. Not, listen, once again, if you're an old person that likes yellow, that's great for you. You also like teal countertops and maroon and all this stuff. And now we're painting everything white. And I can't believe white's in style because when I talked to Leah's grandparent, when I first got married, he was like, every wall should be white and all bricks should be red. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You should paint the brick and walls should be dark and all this stuff. And now I'm painting it white. So everything comes back in style. I get it. Don't send me an email. But what I felt like as I walked into the house and they left me this mess to do, just walked away. And, and essentially... That's what happens. Somebody creates a mess in your life. Somebody is allowed to create havoc in your life. And essentially, you're, you're passing it on to a family member. And here's, you're passing it on to a kid. You're passing it on to a co- whoever it is, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, And you say, here, you clean it up. You, you handle it. You do the work. I mean, think, think about it. Let's just talk about marriage. There, there's some of you, you're married to a man who's very dominating and, and angry. And you're like, why are you so angry and, and dominating and, and belittling? And the truth is, if you would go back 30, 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, I don't know how long you've been married. Maybe there was a mom in the picture that was super domineering and angry and it was never good enough. And so it created inside of your husband uh, this, this bitterness and this anger towards, towards women. And now he's just simply passed that mess on to you. You see how it works? Or, or, or there's a husband and he's always trying to Maybe get intimate with, with his wife, but his wife is very cold-hearted, and you're, and you're constantly going, why are, you so, why are you so cold to my advances? And, you know, I, 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 try, to, I try to be romantic with you, and you just kind of close me off. Well, maybe that, that wife experienced some form of, of abuse at the hands of, a, of an uncle or a loved one, and, and the only way that she could get away from it is to, to cut it off, to, to act uninterested, to run. Maybe she never told anybody about it, but now you are kind of dealing with the effects of, of what happened to her when she was a kid, even though you didn't do it and it's affecting you as if you did? That, that's, that's bitterness. Maybe, maybe when you parent your, your, your kid, like you, you, have no, you have no patience for them and you, you, you kind of always lose, lose your temper. And, and maybe the truth is it because of a mess that was created in your life from, from years past and, and so you're insecure and you're, 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 you're kind of impatient and now you're just passing the mess off to your kids. I don't know if you've ever done that before, and then your kids will do something to, to each other, and you're like, why did you do that? Why are you talking like that? And your wife will say, because you talk like that. Because you act like that. Because you drive like that. Because you have a temper like that. And the truth is, not only is bitterness hurting me, bitterness begins to hurt my kids and my wife and my family and, and my church. I mean, think about how it could happen here. Somebody could, could, could leave this church and I could get bitter with them, which I have. I could see them in public and not want to talk to them. I could think about slashing their tires. I never did that. And I could begin to not trust anybody because I'm bitter. And so the way that I would pastor you is from a distance, kind of stay away from me, don't talk to me, don't look at me. I'll just walk in and preach. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't want to talk to you because I don't trust you because you're just going to leave anyways. I mean, think, think about how awful of a pastor I become if I let bitterness overtake me. And the same thing is true for you. Not not only does bitterness start to hurt you, bitterness begins to affect everyone uh, around you. I mean, think think about how it works. The the bitterness spreads and soon the whole tribe or whole group of people is infected. Your marriage is marked by bitterness. Your children, they get get bitter. You ever ever seen this? Your your group of friends tend to sit around and and gripe and 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 they're bitter. 
Your church that you're filled with becomes full of harsh and bitter and angry people. You ever been around that? Your community then is prone to, everybody you hang out with is prone to displacing blame. It's not our fault, we're just bitter. The truth is, the poison of bitterness is wreaking havoc in your soul. Not only is it hurting you, but it's beginning to have an effect on other people. And then lastly, number three, is bitterness. Not only does it hurt you, not only does it hurt those close to you. Ultimately, and maybe most importantly, because this is where healing begins. You see, we're going to talk about what something is. We're going to talk about why it's so dangerous, but I'm not going to leave you here. I'm not going to drop a bomb on you and say, hey, deal with it. I'm going to teach you exactly how to get rid of it. But the truth is, is bitterness ultimately and most importantly hurts your relationship with God. It hurts your relationship with God. Let me, let me explain something to you. The only reason you're close to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way that you have become close to His Son, Jesus Christ, is you've asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. You've confessed Him. You've received His gift of salvation on that cross 2,000 years ago. And so what happened is, before Jesus, there was this gap between you and God, and it was an unclosable gap. You could try to build a bridge, a bridge of religion. I'm going to act right, be right, do right, follow the rules, talk right, be in the right relationship, do all these things, try to pay for my past. But you would never, ever reach God. And so when Jesus came, he closed the gap. So now for me, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he is the only reason. I love him. I adore him. I trust him. I try to walk with him. I try to obey him. But ultimately what made me right was, was Jesus. So let me show you what happens then. Because it's only his forgiveness that makes me close to God. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, and these are the words of Christ, these last two passages I'm going to read. But he said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, watch this, your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's pretty simple. Watch the flip side. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you receive the grace of God, and some of you go, well, that doesn't seem fair. So what Jesus did is he broke it down for us in the Gospels. Peter comes to Jesus one day. I don't know if you know anything about the Bible, but if you feel uncomfortable being around church and church people, you know, Peter, you can relate to him. He's about the biggest screw-up in the Bible. That's why I love when the Catholic Church says, he's our first pope. I'm like, your pope was a massive screw-up. So am I, so it's good news. And so Peter, he says this one day, he says, then Peter came to Jesus, and he's trying to kiss some butt right here, some spiritual butt, right? Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. That's what he's doing. At that time, current religious teaching was if somebody hurts you, you give them three times of forgiveness. After that, you cut them off. So Peter comes, and he's kind of a screw-up. He's kind of always saying stuff he shouldn't be saying. He's like, I'm going to double this and add one for good luck. I'm going to show Jesus how spiritual that I am. I'm going to impress him. You ever try to impress God? It never works. So he comes up, he said, how about seven times? And Jesus says, seven? He says, how about 70 times seven? How about that many? Peter's like, what? How about you just always forgive everyone? What? How about no matter what? I know they've hurt you. I know they let you down. I know you got daddy problems. I know you got mommy problems. I know somebody hurt you, abused you, neglected you, talked bad about you. I know all that. But how about you stop biting yourself? How about you let it go? 
How about you don't let bitterness hurt you? How about you don't let it affect your family anymore? How about you don't let it cause a, a distance between me and you? And Jesus shares a story, and I love this story. He says this, and I think it's so good. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. If you've ever heard this story and you've never had it broken down for you, you'll miss the significance of what he just said. There's a king, and a man comes in, and on his MasterCard, he owes 10,000 talents. Some of you say, well, how much is that? One talent equals 6,000 denarii. What's a denarii? Every day you worked, you got paid one denarii. One talent is worth 6,000 days of work. One. Jesus says, this man owes 10,000 talents. Now listen, listen, listen. This represents 60 million days of work or 240,000 years of labor. This dude was in trouble. He, he had a debt that was unpayable, which by the way is what scripture says of you. Let's just put it into layman's terms. We all sin, and let's just say the average one of us sins 10 hours every day of our life, or 10 times. Someone say, how do I know? I, 10 times? I don't sin. You worry, that's sin. Every time you worry, that's sin. Every time you gossip, that's sin. Every time you lust, that's sin. Every time you don't go to bed and get eight hours of rest because you're so worried that the world can't stay awake without you, sin. I mean, you sin all the time, you sinner. I sin all the time. So let's just say that the average person sins 10, sins an hour, and 16 waking hours, and lives 74 years, right? Like that's, that's the average lifespan. That means that we will have a total at the end of our life of 4 million, or 4 million, 300,000 sins that we have to pay for. How you gonna do that? Good luck. Once again, you're the guy. He says, there's this guy. He has an unpayable amount of sins to fix. And then the Bible says in verse number 25, since he's not able to pay... The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had been sold to repay, to sell it and to repay the debt. Like to, to, to get rid of everything, liquidate everything and pay off the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. Which, by the way, he's lying because he could never pay him back anything. Be patient with me. The servant's master took pity on him and watch this and canceled all the debt that he owed him. And guess what? That story's about you. You came in, sin was ravaging your very soul. It was going to take everything from you, not just from you, from your family, from your life, from your future, from your career. Sin was ravaging your soul. And you come in, and the payment of sin is death, the Bible says, in hell. And so it demands that you pay up. Hey, it's time to pay up. Pay your maker. Pay your debt. You come in and you beg for mercy. I can't pay that off. And God says, I know you can't, but my son did. So he comes in. He dies on the cross for your sins. He's placed in the grave. He rises from the dead. And the Bible says he completely pays off your debt. You, you are free to the debt that you owe. You are, you are free to, to your sin. You are free to the slavery. You are free to everything that you've ever done. You are free to leave in peace. Could you imagine that moment if you never had it? You walk away, your sin is gone, you become a brand new creation, and you would think that dude is going to click his heels and walk out of this. This is so exciting. My master just paid off 
my debt. Listen to what happens in the next part of the story. This is, this is act number two, but this is, this is devastating right here. The Bible says that when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, and he owed him 100 denarii. He did, just, had, just had six million days worth of debt paid off. Walks out, he finds somebody who owes him 100 denarii, which, by the way, is 100 days. It's a big deal, I know. I know. That's a third of the year. You owe me a third of the year of work. And you would think he would say, you know what, though? I just got forgiven six million days of work. I'm free from my debt. You know what? You're free. Kind of like the same thing that happens in church. You walk in, you sing about the forgiveness and the grace of God. You pray, you ask God to forgive you. You walk away. You walk away in the peace and freedom and, 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 and security of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you walk into the person you're bitter with. And you're like, nope. God's going, what? I'm not forgiving them. They owe me. They hurt me. It was really big. I get it. You don't know what they said to me. I get it. Do you realize that you have 4.3 million sins you have to atone for that have been erased from the books? I know. But let me talk to you about what they did to me. All of a sudden, you start having that argument. You're like, this don't sound very good. This don't sound like the correct argument to have. And Scripture says this. He grabbed the man and began to choke him. (laughs) Choke the man out. Which, by the way, some of you have been planning on doing in your life to some people. Pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, would you be patient with me? Maybe it's that mom, that dad, that, that loved one, that, that family. Maybe you never get that. I don't know, but maybe somebody's saying, you be patient with me. I, I messed up. I know I messed up. There's no excuse. Would you, would you forgive me? No, I'm not going to ever forgive you. Make it right. Well, how can I go back and make it right? I don't know. I don't care. Just do it. Hey, God, would you forgive me yesterday? I you know, I did that thing again. I did, you know, a thousand times last week. I did it again. You know, I, I know I put Jesus on the cross again, you know, and again and again. I'm sorry about that. Hey, pay me back. Think about how ridiculous that we sound. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until the debt could be paid. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I canceled all of your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just like I had on you? In your anger, this is what bitterness does. In your bitterness, you turned your master over to the, you turned, you turned him over to the master, to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. He says, you turned this man over in your anger when I released you from it. So the Bible says that instead of me releasing you from your debt, I'm just going to put you back where you should have been, which in essence is what he's trying to tell us, which is a scary outcome of our lives. I mean, can you imagine getting to heaven, standing before Jesus, and Jesus is saying, man, I canceled all of your debt, and you brought a bunch of garbage with you? You brought a bunch of pain with you? Why'd you do that? Bitterness, didn't you know? It hurts you. Look at all the damage you did to your family. It hurt your family. Look at all the distance you created between me and you because it hurts you listen I know I know someone hurt you I know someone failed you I know someone turned on you I I, I get it I'm not trying to belittle it 
But I dare you. I dare you to release them from their offense. The only difference between bitter and better is the I, is you. You step in and you say, you know what? I'm going to release them. I'm not going to let them rule my life. It has nothing to do with them. They're never going to be able to make it right with you. And so instead, you're going to make it right with, with God. You're going to let him be your judge. He does a way better job. You're going to let him be your defender. You're going to let him stand up for you. You're going to let him protect you. You're going to stop fighting your own battles. He does a much better job than you anyways. Would you stand up with me all over this house? And I want to read you this prayer that we're going to pray in a second. And I want you to think about the person that you hate today. Some of you are going to say, I don't hate anybody. Stop lying to yourself. Stop. This is church, man. So many times you come into church and it's PG rated, right? Weak, weak sauce. You come in here, oh, everything's great. And you walk out. You're so angry. You're so bitter. You're so resentful. You can't go anywhere in your life because you won't let go. God does not want you to live that way, nor has he designed you to live that way, nor has he destined you, nor has he purposed you. And you can wait, and you can wait, and you can wait, and you can wait, and you can make excuse after excuse after excuse. I get it. They hurt you. I get it. They failed you. I get it. They, they, they caused you pain. I get it. But I dare you to take God at his word. I dare you. So here's what we're going to pray together. Father, I, have not, I acknowledge that I've had resentment and bitterness against I don't know who you are. Blank. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a dead uncle. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a teacher you had. God, I, I've, been, I've been resentful and, and I've held it. I confess this as sin because that's what it is. Are, are you with me? I, I confess this as sin and ask you to forgive me. I, wow, this is going to be powerful for you. I forgive whoever it is. I'm not going to have you say their name out loud, but when we pray it, in your spirit, you're just going to go, God, I for- it's really hard to stay mad at somebody you're praying for. I forgive, I forgive my mom. I, I forgive my-, my dad. I forgive my brother or my sister. God, I forgive my grandparent. God, I forgive whoever it-, it was. God, I forgive that bus driver that pushed me out the back seat or the front seat and pushed me to the back. God, I, I forgive that, 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 that co-worker that, that cut me off, that, that ridiculed me, that, that got me out of a job. God, I forgive. God, I'm going to place my life into your hands. God, I, I forgive them. And then it keeps going and says this. Remind me, Lord, to not hold any more resentments, but, Father, to love this person and forgive them as you have forgiven me. Man, how do you become a forgiving person? You get obsessed with what you've been forgiven. Write it down. Every time you sin, man, write it somewhere. So you remember, I got forgiven of that yesterday. How am I going to hold on to this today? People that are giving grace, they are giving grace that they are graceful to other people. Forgiven people should be forgiving to other people. Then we're going to pray, thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. When we say amen, that word just means so be it. So be it. That's it. It's done. It's finished. And when you walk out of this place, don't you dare try to grab what you just prayed about and take it with you like your little pet. Just leave it. It's a cat. You just leave it alone. <laughs> Spiritual cat, right? You're just going to leave that thing here. And you're going you're gonna to walk away. Don't try to grab it. When Satan tries to remind you of it, when next time you run into them, you're going to do the exact opposite of what you feel. Why? 
Because that's how you begin to change. If every time you get around your family, you get real quiet and bitter and you get that little bitter face on, you know what I'm talking about? Look like you suck some lemon and you get all bitter and you never talk. You're going to go into your house the next time with the joy of the Lord and you're going to make conversation with people that you don't even, they don't even deserve to have you talk to them. How you doing? How was your day? How was your new year? How's stuff going at work? You're going to make conversation. Why? Because you are under the authority of Jesus Christ. He is your judge. He's in charge of your life. He's your defender. And you are no longer going to walk in bitterness. Why? Bitterness hurts me. Bitterness is going to hurt those that I love. And ultimately, bitterness is putting a distance between me and God. And I don't want any of that. You're going to leave it here. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to turn on the dehumidifiers and we're going to blow it away at the end of service at all of our campuses. It's not going to be here next, year, next week for you to get. You're going to become a brand new person. So what I want you to do all over this place, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about the people in your life that you need to pray for right now. You're not going to pray, God, get them for me. God, make them feel the pain that I felt. Listen, you're no longer going to feel this pain. You're getting over it today. You're a brand new creation. You're not taking it with you. And in a second here, we're going to pray. And when we pray, I want you to put their, put, put their name in that spot. And maybe it's more than one name. Maybe you've got a whole list of bitter people that you're bitter against. You're just going to pray by name for those people. And here's the thing. As, you, as you're getting ready to pray, and it's going to be a step of, because some of you, it's like, man, I don't think I can do this because I've been bitter for so long. It's time to break the rules. It's time to break the rules at all of our campuses. Maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what, before we pray, to this God, I don't think I have a relationship with him. The only reason we have access to God is through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, that he died in your place for your sins on a cross 2,000 years ago. On the third day, after they placed him in a tomb, the Bible says that he rose from the dead. And that when he rose from the dead, and when he died on the cross, that he paid for your death and your sin, and then he defeated it, when he rose from the dead, and the Bible says a few days later, he ascended to heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God. It's a visual image of his authority that he has over our lives, that when we confess and when we believe that we become a brand new creation, that all the bitterness, all the anger, all the shame, all the pain, all the baggage that we've carried around, that there's an answer for it. The answer is not found in 2017. The answer is found in no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't wander this year. Start the year off right, 2017. I'm not going to keep looking because today I've been found. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. So if you feel lost, if you feel broken, if you feel alone, if you feel shame, man, the Jesus that I know is here for you right now, and he doesn't desire or want you to suffer or walk that way for one more moment of your life. But you need to stop in this moment. And just like thousands of people have done in our church over the last 10 years, you need to say, today is going to be my moment. Today is going to be my moment of completion, of hope of restoration. Today I'm going to confess with my mouth by faith and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and I believe in that moment that you will be saved, changed, put back together, found full of purpose. You'll have grace and more grace. You'll have hope and love that you've never experienced and a peace that surpasses understanding is going to come into your life. But you need to take that step, friends. So all over our, our houses, if that's you right now in this moment, before we pray over ourselves and pray what we're struggling with, you say, you know what? Before I pray to Jesus, I need to have a relationship with him. 
2017 is going to be a new year for me. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be different. Because I'm going to put my life in somebody, in somebody else's hands. I'm going to put my life in the hands of my Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's you, if you're going to take that step with me in 2017, you're struggling in life, you don't want to struggle anymore, would you just shoot your hand up in the air so that I know I'm praying with you? I see a hand all the way in the back back here. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life right now. 2017 is going to be a different year for me. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be a better year. It's going to be your purpose and, and meaning. Is there anybody else as you guys are praying? Can you just pray for them right now all over these houses? And you say, you know what? I need to make a decision. I see a hand in the back right there too. Is there anybody else who say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of, of my life. I need to ask him into my life. We're rejoicing for the person in Plymouth meeting in Limerick. Yes, we're excited for you as you're making this decision. And let's pray together, church. First, I want to pray for those that are receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then I want to pray. And when I pray, I'm going to pray the prayer. And I just want you to put the person's name in that list. And then I want you to continue to pray with me. Don't have to be right on with me as we pray. But I just want you to pray, God, today I'm letting go of this bitterness. God, I'm leaving it here for you to handle. You're my judge and you're my defender. And you're in control. And I'm not allowing bitterness to hurt me anymore. Let's pray together all over this house. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for those all over our campuses that are responding to the gospel. The Bible says that if we repent and we confess... That Jesus, that you will be our Lord, that you would be our Savior, that you would come into our life, that you would make our heart your home, that you would forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west, that you would give us a new purpose and a new meaning to live on this earth, and that you promise eternity so that when our last breath happens here, that our next breath would be with you in eternity. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this moment that is changing people's lives right now. That's the reason we do what we do. And as we go into 2017 and we rejoice with those, God, that are making that decision, God, we just want to walk. We want to walk in a light full of grace manner this year. Just like Colossians says, we want the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. And so right now, all over this campus, all over our other campuses, we're just going to pray this prayer together. And when we pray it, we're going to put in the names of the people that have hurt us. And we're going to release them to you. And we're going to leave that hurt here. And we're going to walk being healed. The difference between bitter and better is our decision to do this today by faith, with your strength. Father, we're going to walk in fullness. We're going to walk in healing. We're going to walk in peace. So, Father, let's do this. Father, I acknowledge that I've held resentment and bitterness against. Go ahead. Say, don't say it out loud. Just in prayer. This is what I've held bitterness against mom, my dad, my, my brother, my sister, my co-worker, my grandparent, my uncle, my neighbor, man, my friend, my best friend I need to call. I, I held bitterness against him. God, today we confess this as sin and we ask you to forgive us. Father, we forgive them. Let those light, words of life, God, fill us with those words. God, I, I forgive. I forgive them. Remind me, Lord, to not hold any more resentments but rather to love this person and to forgive them. God, thank you as you've forgiven us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in our houses, would you just shout amen? Come on, like you mean it, amen? Come on, let's clap together.